Welcome to Cross Communities Podcast. We're glad you're here to listen today. We hope that today's message will strengthen your faith and help you to love God and people more. Well, I'd like to invite you to take your Bibles and open them to the Gospel according to John. John chapter 20, so this is towards the end of the Gospel, and we'll begin at verse 19. We're in the middle of a series called the Gospel Series, where we are looking at how the Gospel is larger than just about getting to escape to heaven someday. That this has been something that has God has had at work since the very beginning. And so we want to look at the whole story and we're watching little video clips every day that will tell us all about the full story of God. And so it starts with the story of God and Israel. We in the Christian church call this the Old Testament Uh, or the Hebrew Scriptures, and you're well into that story right now, and you'll continue day in and day out. But then that story culminates in the story of Jesus. And we find this Gospel proclaimed in Matthew and Mark and Luke and John. You'll get there in a few weeks. And out of this we learn about the saving work of Jesus that invites all of us Jew or non-Jew alike, into the family of God to show what God is wanting to do in the world. And so today we come to this and we're going to look at something very specifically in John's telling of the gospel. And so I invite you to turn to John chapter 20 and we'll begin at verse 19. Would you stand right where you are in reverence for the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ as told to us by John. John 20, beginning at verse 19. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, they were afraid because Jesus had been crucified and He was, they thought, in the tomb at this time. Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace Be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. This is the Word of God for the people of God. And our response is, thanks be to God. Well, what do you think of when you think about the phrase, heaven on earth? I want you to think about that for just a second. What comes to mind for you? Maybe there's a particular picture and we're going to put some pictures up for you to see my version of heaven on earth. Uh, This first one here is just a picture of me in my backyard. Uh, It was this week when the weather was nice and warm and I'm, I've just, 
got my feet kicked up. I'm laying in the hammock. I can see the blue skies and the trees that are budding. That to me, heaven on earth. A few times in my life, I've had the opportunity to go to this, this little place called Hawaii. And you can see in this next picture, the mountains and the ocean and the crystal clear water. Oh, when I think of heaven on earth, I think of Hawaii. It's beautiful. You know that uh, every year I get to go to Kentucky and there's a beautiful place. In this third picture, you can see the garden where I sit and I read and I pray. And just a beautiful place to be. And it just feels like heaven on earth. What is heaven on earth like for you? Maybe right now you want to grab a picture out of your phone or out of wherever and just post it in our in our comment section so people can see what your heaven on earth is like. Go ahead and do that right now. It's okay. But if you were to ask someone in the ancient world, what does heaven on earth mean for them? If you were to go way back into the Near East culture, way back with the Egyptians and the Hittites and and those people, and you were to ask them, what is heaven on earth? Instantly, what they would be thinking about is a temple. A temple in their day and age was where heaven, God's space, and earth, human space, overlap. They mix. They come together. And so temples would often be built in significant locations. If you think about Ephesus, uh, where the temple of Artemis was was uh, constructed, and we read about this in the Bible, but they believed, the, the Ephesian people believed that Artemis was born there. So that was a significant location. So they built her great temple there. It was one of the seven wonders of the world. It was usually a massive structure that would be uh, constructed because they wanted to show the grandeur of the god or goddess that they were worshiping in that significant location. And oftentimes the walls of these temples would have artwork depicting the story of that god or goddess. Their great battles or their great victories. Or, or it may just include pictures of how the ritual to worship this particular god was to be performed. What was needed in order to gain this god's favor. Once all of this was constructed and done, the final thing that you would do for a temple is to put an image of wood, rock, or stone of that particular god or goddess in the temple so that one could see its majesty and then worship as you were instructed to do. Now, this is what the ancient Near East culture would think if you ask them, What is heaven on earth? But Yahweh, the God of Israel, the one Jesus called Father, was very different. When we begin the story of Israel and this God, it begins in a garden. It begins in Genesis 1. And the story begins like this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Heaven and earth. This God that you are already getting glimpses of believes that God's space and human space were meant and created to work together everywhere, to coexist, to overlap. These two things are not mutually exclusive, but are meant to work together in a specific way. 
Yahweh's quote-unquote temple shows that everywhere is significant in the world. That everywhere is a place where God's presence, God's space can overlap with human space, with earth. Heaven and earth were meant to be together. This Yahweh doesn't want a big building to show His grandeur. His temple houses all the cosmos. From the mountains to the valleys, the oceans, the stars, the heavens, the entire universe is His temple. For Yahweh, there's no need for artwork on walls depicting mighty acts, but everything that is created shows His mighty works for all time. And lastly, the thing that may be most unique about the temple of Yahweh is there's no image of stone, metal, or wood. Why is that? Because the Bible tells us in just a few short verses that God created His image in people, male and female. No static image. A dynamic image is the only thing that could capture what this God was all about. Genesis 1.27, God says, Let us create our image. And in the image of God, God created them, male and female. His image, people, are to care for His temple, all of creation, and learn how to live life from God in person while caring for this heaven and earth creation that God has brought into existence. What a beautiful image. What a beautiful picture. But most of us know that this story turns tragic. Within just a few chapters, the images of God, this Adam and Eve, they break themselves by deciding to grab life on their own terms. That we're going to determine what's right and wrong and I'm going to live my life the way I want to do this. They, in essence, graffiti Yahweh's great temple with sin and with death. Heaven and earth seem to unravel. The image is marred and broken. They leave the garden to do life on their terms. And God has to place a barrier between the two areas. Read all about this in Genesis chapter 3. But the good news is, God won't give up on this idea. He won't give up on them. God longs for heaven and earth to be reality once more. So fast forward, we get into Exodus chapter 3, and heaven and earth meet again, this time in a burning bush. A bush that's on fire with God's presence, but the Bible tells us it's not consumed. You see, heaven and earth are meant to work together, and it gets the attention of this Moses who comes, and God begins the rescue process of His people. After they are rescued, God longs to live with them, and God shows them how to construct now a tabernacle. You can see this in Exodus chapter 35 and following. This is basically a mobile temple. This tabernacle will be the place where God's space and human space will come together. God's presence, His glory, moves into this place in Exodus chapter 40. It will remind the people of God's glory and His presence that heaven and earth are meant to be together. But this will be unique because this 
temple, this tabernacle, will move wherever they go. God wants heaven and earth to be among the people. And He wants them to be around Him. The story after this also has its highs and lows. There are times when the the people of Israel cooperate with God and there are times when they rebel again and again. They graffiti this heaven and earth tabernacle with sin and with death. You can read this and you're probably hearing these stories as you're watching those Bible Project videos day in and day out and doing some journaling around them. But the good news is, God won't give up on them. God longs for heaven and earth to be reality once more. And so He continues to journey and we fast forward again. I know we're doing a lot of fast forwarding here, but we got, we got to get through this. Fast forward to 1 Kings chapter 6. Israel is now a nation and eventually God allows them to build a temple. God didn't need one. God didn't even really want one. But the the people wanted one. And and God says, okay, here's what it will look like. And again, it shows that pattern. It's now in a significant place, Jerusalem, the capital city. It's a big building. It would have been the most prominent building for miles and miles around. Its artistic walls portray that garden from long ago. And the throne room of Yahweh. But again, there is no image. Why? Because people are to be the image of God. And in 1 Kings chapter 8, a few chapters later, God's presence moves, His glory moves into this place and fills it. Heaven and earth are meeting again. And the, and the work and worship of God is going on in this place. But again, the pattern repeats. Sometimes the king and the people of God cooperate and do well. But more often than not, they rebel against God in sin and want to do it their way. They're grabbing again to say, I'm going to do life my way. And that trajectory continues and it gets really, really bad. So bad, in fact, that Ezekiel the prophet tells us that about 500 years before Jesus, the unthinkable happens. God's glory, God's presence leaves the temple due to Israel's sin and death, the graffitiing that they've been doing of this beautiful, beautiful place where heaven and earth meet. His presence leaves and moves towards Babylon where they will eventually be placed in exile. The temple becomes just another broken building. And even after they are let go and allowed to come back to Jerusalem, and even after they construct a new temple to Yahweh, that presence never, ever comes back to fill that temple. It would leave us wondering, is is this it? Has God finally given up? Is there no more chances for heaven and earth to cooperate, to overlap, to coexist, to work together the way God intended from the very beginning? Friends, the Gospel of John has good news for you today. 
Because just like we've seen in the story of God with Israel, God never gives up. And the first passage of the Gospel of John seems to begin the story all over again. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. You can turn there with me if you'd like. John chapter 1. Right at the very beginning, verses 1 through 3, there he writes, In the beginning, sounds familiar, doesn't it? Was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him was nothing was made that has been made. John draws our attention to one who was with God and was God in the creation of the cosmic heaven and earth temple at the very beginning of all things. Then he goes on to say something unbelievable. If you go down just a few more verses to verse 14, he says, This Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. Now, here comes the Greek word for, for this week. <laughs> that word for dwelt among us is one word. It is the word eskenosin. You want to say that with me? I know. Eskenosin. Ready? One, two, three. Eskenosin. Let's try it one more time. Ready? One, two, three. Eskenosin. And that word doesn't just mean dwelt among us. It literally means this word that created everything tabernacled among us. There is a new tabernacle, a new temple that has come in. God has not given up. A new tabernacle has been built. Not a brick and mortar, not a tent, but of flesh and blood. It moves around. Heaven and earth are meeting in Jesus. Now, don't get caught up in 4th and 5th century debates about divinity or humanity. John wants to point out what he sees as reality. He goes on in that same verse, verse 14, And we have seen His glory. That presence that was in the temple, that was in the tabernacle, that was in the garden so long ago, that was in the burning bush. That presence, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace. Grace and truth. John sees this in Jesus. A new tabernacle, heaven and earth overlapping. The full image of God, heaven and earth coming together. Showing what God is really like. Full of grace and truth. Gift and wisdom. The things that the broken images of God need in order to fulfill what God is calling them to do and to be. And Jesus refers to Himself in this way. The very next chapter, in chapter 2, verse 19, as He is there at the building, the temple building, and He's getting into a discussion with some of the uh, uh, the religious leaders of the time, the priests there. He, he says to them, destroy this temple, points to the building, and He says, I will raise it again in three days. He seems to be identifying Himself as that temple that John sees him as. And throughout the rest of the telling of John's Gospel, Jesus sees temple function happening in Himself. He forgives sins. 
That's something that's supposed to take place in a temple. He heals people. I know for us, we think of hospitals and doctors. But in Jesus' day, that was the priest's work to declare healing. And Jesus is doing that in Himself. In the major festivals all through John, Jesus reinterprets them in the work that He is doing. We don't have time to go into all of that. That could be a whole four-year sermon series. Jesus sees Himself as doing the new temple work. But we know that the story repeats itself again. That those jealous religious leaders who did not like the temple work that Jesus was doing outside the building, they took Him and they crucified Him. They again graffitied this new temple of God with sin and with death. The glory, the heaven heaven and earth presence of God hung on a cruel cross and died. The perfect heaven and earth image of God was placed in a tomb and sealed inside. Was heaven and earth finally just going to be a memory. Well, a few weeks ago, we know that we celebrated the truth of the good news, that the pattern continues, that God has not given up because God never gives up. God still longed for heaven and earth to once again overlap and work together. And in three days, He raised up His temple. Jesus came out of that tomb, having defeated the graffiti of sin and the permanence of death. And now He longs to clean up people and to set them free to what? To make them new temples and to help them to become the true image of God that God longed for them to be. We're finally back to our passage in John chapter 20. So come back to that. John chapter 20. Jesus is now standing among among them. And they're scared. But he says, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And then with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. What, what's going on here? Jesus is giving the Holy Spirit that presence of God that dwelled in the temple. He's giving it to human beings. They are now called to be little tabernacles of God. They are called to do the work of templing, which is forgiving. And He challenges them to go out and to begin this forgiving process. Because if you don't get out there and forgive, they will not be forgiven. Get out there and do this work. I am giving you all that you need. Why is this good news? Well, because of what God has done in Jesus. Because heaven and earth are overlapped in Him. Because He came as a mobile forgiveness temple. Because He took away sin and death. You, my friend, yes, you have a chance to have heaven overlap, envelop, and transform your earthly and earthy life right now, today. And you may be thinking, oh, I, you, you don't know my life. 
I'm way too far gone. You don't know the things that I've done. You don't know the ways that I have graffitied up this world and this life, this place where you're telling me God's temple is. You don't know how much death I've brought into the world. Maybe some of you literally, maybe some of you it's the death of relationships, but whatever it is today, my friend, I'm going to remind you of the Gospel story of a God who never ever quits, who never, ever gives up. A God who knows that heaven and earth, His space and your space are supposed to work together. And He wants that for your life. And He gave His Son to die so that that could take place in your life. We have experienced a God who wants us to have life and life to the fullest. That's in John as well. A God who is willing to give up His life in order that you may receive this full life. And a God who isn't just willing to offer you this life to let you go do with it what you want, but will give you His Spirit to help you live this life and empower you to be the image that He calls you to be. Oh, my friend, it will take a lot of grace and it will take a lot of truth. It will take repentance on your behalf. That means that means you're going to have to do a 180 in your life. It means you're going to have to let God fully and completely change your heart and mind. But you can have this overlap of God's space, heaven, with your space, earth. You can have heaven on earth. Do you need the God who never gives up to bring you this healing today? Do you need this God to bring that forgiving work to clean up the graffiti of sin in your life? Whatever it may be for you, He won't give up. And He can cleanse every stain. Are, are you longing for heaven on earth to be your reality today? Jesus can take all of your graffiti, all of your sin, and wash you clean. If that's you today, I'm going to invite you right now to pray with me. It's not the end of the message, but I just, I just believe that we need to pause because this is important work. The God who never quits, who knows heaven and earth are to work together, wants to work in your life. So bow your heads wherever you are. If this is you, You want this work to happen in your life. You want to receive all that you need from God. You want your graffitied life cleansed. Bow your heads and pray with me right now. Repeat after me. Jesus, I want You to cleanse my heart. I want heaven and earth to be in me. Come in right now. Cleanse me. Heal me. Help me to be the image of God in my world. To show grace and to learn truth from Your hand. Thank You for helping me. Thank You for loving me. I repent right now. Turn my life around. Change my heart. 
change my mind and help me to follow you. I ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. If you just prayed this prayer, there's going to be a link in the comments section. It's our next steps card. And we want to hear about this because we want to pray for you and with you. And we want to help you receive any information you would need. So look in the comments section. You should be able to click on a link there and you can fill out that card. And I'm excited for you. Like I said, though, this isn't the end of the message. Uh, there is uh, there is something here also to challenge those of us who have been in church for a really long time. It kind of piggybacks on last week's message This is a challenge for deciders, those who have been sitting around in church and think that because they made a decision for Jesus a long time ago, they just have to sit here and learn about God and wait to get to heaven. The challenge of this message says to us, this gospel, this full gospel message says that you're invited into forgiveness to become a part of God's mission to forgive the world, not to sit in a building and learn more about God. Jesus is sending you. He isn't sending you alone. That's the good news. You'll join with others who have experienced this same work that Jesus has done in their lives. It's called the church. And the church is not a building. The Greek word for church is ekklesia, the ones who are called out, the ones who are sent out. We're we're living the truth of that right now because we can't even meet in a building. But you are still the church. You are sent out. We're called to share life and to announce forgiveness. We're called to feed the hungry like we're doing with our food pantry and partnering with loaves and fishes. We're called to go into all the world like Mel and Chris Smith are called and they're going. That's a part of this forgiveness being tabernacles out into the world. We're called to invite people to hear the good news in our homes, online, and yes, sometimes in a church building. That's why our four-year goals include invitation goals, why we want to invite people to hear the good news, and why we want to see our We Care families find a place to belong among us as a group of people. So the challenge is, are you ready to stop being a spectator? Are you realizing again that Jesus didn't call you to be a decider? He called you to be a disciple. He called you to be a mobile tabernacle of His forgiving grace. He is sending you on a forgiveness message out into the world. And the question you have to wrestle with today is, will you go? I believe that Cross Community Church is a great church. I miss seeing your faces. I miss shaking your hands. I miss hugging you. I miss challenging you. I miss being together. But the truth is, church, we are on a mission, and that mission has not stopped for COVID-19. And I pray that right now where you are in your place in your home, that you are praying for opportunities to share the good news of the experience of the God who doesn't quit, of the God who knows that heaven and earth are are to be joined and overlapped and wants to do it in your life, that you're called to be an agent of grace and truth. You're called to be on a mission to forgive as many people as you possibly can. Are you ready to go? 
I can't wait till we can gather back together. But the only reason we gather together is so that we can be turned around and set loose on our forgiving mission week in and week out every day. Are you praying for this? You know, Jesus taught us to pray like this. There's a phrase in the prayer He gave to us that says, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Are you acknowledging that heaven and earth are to overlap? This can happen. This is our call, church. Will we rise to the challenge to share the good news, the gospel? Let's bow our heads and let's pray as we close. Father, we celebrate those who have placed their trust in Jesus. The Bible tells us that there is a celebration going on around your throne for everyone who has received pardon and cleansing and forgiving forgiveness in Jesus' name. And so we celebrate that and we pray that they would know that they're now a part of your family. That you are with them, that heaven and earth are overlapping. But we also pray for those of us who for whatever reason have fallen into the trap of thinking that this whole Jesus thing is all about learning about God and never sharing good news. God, help us to not just be deciders, but to be disciples. Help us to take up the call to be tabernacles of Your presence, Your heaven and earth presence here. And help us to be about the work of forgiveness. Show us how to do that in new ways, in creative ways, in helpful ways, in ways that will transform and challenge the world to bring a little more of that heaven and earth experience here into Portage into Kalamazoo and out into our world. God, we thank You and we love You. We pray that You would help us right where we are to find new ways to forgive. For we pray this in the name of Jesus our Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen. Would you receive this blessing? And now... May you receive the Holy Spirit. May you realize that the Holy Spirit empowers you to go about the temple, heaven and earth work of forgiving those around you. May you this week experience the joy of leading someone into forgiveness or forgiving someone who has wronged you. I pray that we would be a church where all of this would constantly be a part of our mission, our ethos, our very core and being. And I pray that we would receive this blessing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Have a great rest of your Sunday. God bless you. Stay safe. Wash your hands. 
Reach out to one another, pray for one another, and may God bless you wherever you are in the world. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for tuning in to Cross Communities Podcast. We hope you will join us next week.